If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of California Underground. Tonight, I have with me Ray Perez, who's the vice chair of the YOLO GOP County uh, Party. I never know how to arrange those. It's GOP County Party, GOP Party County, whatever. Um, YOLO as in the county, not as in you only live once. And also joined by... ...questions as well. This is just going to be a sort of a fun roundtable conversation about uh, the geo. What happens inside like a county party, and what happens like because I, I don't think a lot of people really understand the inner workings. Like I was at a meeting just a couple of weeks ago. Actually, Cynthia and I were both at a San Diego Central Committee meeting, and there was this whole like endorsement process and like who got through and votes and stuff like that. And I was like, I, I have no idea what's going on. Um, so. We can start with that. Ray, if you want to introduce yourself and let us know. Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, th- thank you for having me. You guys can hear me okay, right? A little bit of an echo, but. Oh, okay. How about now? A little bit better. Okay. So, hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm Ray Perez. I'm the vice chairman of the Yolo County Republican Party here in West Sacramento. We're Northern California. Uh, we're just a bridge away from the state capitol. Um, as a vice chairman, now that I'm here, you know, with the central committee, what we do is, um, and I always tell people, if you're conservative, get involved in your central committee. Cause that's what we are, right? We are, uh, we are, I don't know, an endorsed. We're under the same umbrella as the state party. And what that does is we help our, our main two things is raise money for Republicans and get them elected. That's number two. Mm-hmm. And there has to be bylaws on, uh, But I think these are like state laws that when we endorse somebody or even when we take office and our central committee, our officers are sworn in, they have to be registered Republicans. Um, They have to obviously live in the county that they represent. And then when we endorse, you know, we we have voting because sometimes in Republican primaries, there are more than one candidate and we have, you know, in in different counties and we want to put our best foot forward. Um, I would say that central committees are the ones that really are centralized to all candidates, whether you're school board, city council, mayor, uh, assembly, Congress. That is your focal point to start. That's where you, you your first coalition should start. Not your only coalition, but your first coalition of people that have your values. These are people that are vetted, meaning people who are in the central committee – we know that they're all registered Republicans. They're not phonies. And we know exactly – we all have one goal. That's getting Republicans elected. Um, mm-hmm. Places like San Diego who are like – I would almost say that San Diego and Orange County, they're like the New England Patriots of politics for Republicans, right? That's They're like that gold standard, meaning – when I mean that, that means they raise thousands of dollars, 50, 60, 80, $100,000. Money at the end of the day, I don't care who's in charge. If you raise a hundred thousand dollars and you're getting people elected at state assembly, state senate, you are the creme de la creme, and that's where you pretty what I'm sure you attended, where things are going to be in order, they're going to be set, um, they're going to have a way of how to earn an endorsement. It's not just given, that's how it should be. 
And then mm. that's where politicians who are potential good politicians are going to look to say, if I earn San Diego Republican Party's endorsement over my prime over my primary opponent, who's also a Republican, I'm probably going to go further. So mm. I don't know if I rambled on if you guys got that, but um, yeah. So there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. It's not just social clubs and meetings. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Well, that's how it should be. Some, I mean, it, 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 in a sense, in a sense, it should be a social club because I do have like when I go to my city council, when I go to my central committee meeting, and we're talking about what I just said, I always make it a point and I say, guys, let's also remember we are here to have fun. Like the reason why I joined for the longest time here in West Sacramento, you know, I'm Latino, Pacific Islander, conservative, and I'm a millennial. I felt like I'm on an island on my own, right? Like. I, it was it was kind of depressing, but I joined it to have fun, and we are having fun. But we're mm -hmm. also there to make a change, so it's it's dual, right? You're there to have fun, but you're also there to be serious. And yeah. um, if you're if you're watching this, reach out to your local central committee, ask to join. Um, and I'll even say this: I'll end it like this: If you join and you don't really like how things are ran, put in work, get to where you need to get, and make a change yourself. Yeah, I. I... I always get a lot of DMs of people um, who the first thing they ask when I, I kind of put something out there like, what can we do? What can we do? How can we change things? And one of my most common answers is go to your local, like your local caucus meeting or your local caucus committees. Like central committee is, is your big, this is the whole district. Caucuses are broken up by districts. Um, but if you really want to get to the granular, like grassroots level, go to your caucus meeting and, and you'll meet other Republicans. You'll be in there. You'll be hearing what they're talking about, what they're planning. And that's really like where politics and grassroots politics start is, is that sort of, am I giving them the right answer to tell them to go to their caucus parties or their caucus committees? Yeah, you are giving them the right answer, but you're also giving them an answer that's respective to your region. Because mm. I think uh, I'm assuming Cynthia, I think you can help me out on this because you guys live in that region. San Diego is bigger; it's all it's spread out. So mm. I, I'm assuming that inherently you're inclined to have more caucuses in a region that's bigger in San Diego. Yeah. Whereas here in West Sacramento, we have what a combined what two hundred thousand people. Maybe you guys may have close to a million. You know what I mean? Mm. So inherently, you're going to probably have more offices, which are going to caucus, right? Yeah. Whereas here, see, I, I, so a little bit about my background, I worked in public relations in Oakland and working in public relations, I didn't have any politic backgrounds, but I always loved politics. I said, you know what? I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to come back to Sacramento. I'm going to find a way. I went to the Sacramento GOP. I don't live in Sacramento. I live in Yolo County. I just started going. I started asking questions. I was like a thorn in their side in a good way. And it started out with, well, Hey, we're filling a position to be a sergeant at arms at the Republican convention in Sacramento. Cool. Love to go. And I actually, at the time, as a sergeant, I uh, the, the person who was leading the sergeant is my now boss where I work. Right. Then I met a potential candidate. Now, they're a candidate now, Chris Bish. And she says, hey, you live in YOLO. There's actually a, a GOP there. Oh, cool. I went to YOLO. And I met all these great people from different backgrounds, ages, and they saw my enthusiasm. They saw what I wanted to do, my ideas, because as conservatives, you know, we want to be entrepreneurial. We don't want things given to us. I was trying to make an impact. And they said, hey, why don't you become vice chair? 
And I said, are you sure you want to give me that role? Because you don't know what you're getting into. And I just made my way. I made my way in. But mm -hmm. also I knew I went in there saying, I'm, I'm here to learn from other people that have different experiences. And so bottom line, wherever you go uh, to your respective central committee, try to find a way to fit in. And if there isn't a position for you, Joe Schmo volunteer, make a position. Because if you yeah. if you make your own respective position, you're going to find a way to rise up in the ranks. Yeah, and that's something else that uh, I, I think there's this big misconception that it's it's so hard to like break into politics. They think it's oh, it's like this. They already got it. They already know what they're going to do. I, who am I to like break in? But even in a big county like San Diego. I found that if you just show up to these things regularly and just kind of raise your hand and like, hey, I'm here. And Cynthia, I know, wears like a bajillion hats anyway. So she's always the one who's like, hey, I'm here. I want to get involved. They'll find a spot for you. They'll find something for you to do. They'll get you involved in these in the party. They'll find a role for you to do. So there's always a need for people to get involved in these. L let me I'm going to use Cynthia as an example. Okay. I've I've been in politics since 2020. Cynthia has joined Twitter, uh, according to hers, August 2021, and she has double the followers that I do. Now, it's not necessarily uh, a pop a popu uh, a popu uh, like a, a, a popular a popularity contest. Mm -hmm. People usually follow people on Twitter if they have good insight, not platitudes. But for the most part, you know, like you like what they're saying, right? Now, obviously, Twitter isn't real life, but there are grains of truth to Twitter. Just mm -hmm. like Cynthia, who was able to grow a following to over 1,700 followers in August, in August 2021, that's not that long ago. That's not even a full year, I don't think, right? Mm -mm. And she's she works at OA, OAN. She's here on this podcast. She's going to give her hot takes. It's because she carved her way in, as did I. As did you, like we, you and I have only been uh, Twitter followers since like not even two weeks. So apply that to anybody, Joe Schmo, Billy Bob, Maria, whoever. Yes, politics, it's kind of difficult to get in, but it's like, dude, if you put effort into it, you're going to make your way in and you'll be unique. You'll be your own style. Yeah. I, uh, and she's got a, a take. And to give some hope to people too, because um, I feel like if people follow me on Twitter, like I always want to like give hope to people um, and really, you know, inspire them and empower them to make the same choices as well. Um, to be very, very upfront and clear, I had not come from a political family at all. So literally all the connections that I have now is because I put my, I chose to put myself out there and, you know, network and, you know, do the tough things like, you know, meet different people and, you know, raise my hand and take the initiative. So I know that it can be intimidating to people to figure out like how to get their, you know, their bearings in the political industry. Um, but I hope that like people don't look at, you know, even like ourselves, like as Ray and, you know, Phil was saying, like, I don't want, I don't want anyone that's listening to this podcast to think that like, look at us and think that like we're anything special. You know, we're really not like, obviously we have equal values, human beings, but we, all three of us like worked hard and there was a lot of work to, you know, get, you know, the brand that we have now and speaking for myself, I'm the only active person in my family. So I walked into my central committee and did not know anyone at all. Um, 
but so I can make sure like our audience, you know, has a good bearing and there's clarity. Um, what what's the difference between a caucus and a central committee? Because as Ray mentioned, he's in Yolo County. And then if we come to San Diego, even our process is different. I know Ray and I, we were messaging back and forth and even like the endorsements are different. Like in San Diego, you actually have to be an elected member of your caucus and central committee to actually even be in those meetings. They're actually closed. Whereas I know in Yolo County, and I know even like in Placer County, some other counties, um, you don't have to be an elected member. It's actually open to the public. So I think people might be interested to kind of understand those regions. So what would you guys say is like the difference between like a caucus and then like a central committee meeting? Because if we want to give tools to our audience, like, you know, we want to make sure we give them that clarity. Yeah. So I think, you know, like I mentioned here, because YOLO is a little bit smaller or a little bit more rural, we only have a central committee. And uh, I think we, we have to get a certain amount of signatures to get on like an executive board, right? Because these executive boards, we vote on things that are tangible and written in the law and it can be challenged. It can even, it can be challenged legally. Like that's the whole aspect of it. Right. And it allows us to caucus, meaning join meetings with the state Republican party. It allows us to influence guidelines if we wanted to with the state Republican party. And like, let's say there's a specific issue X, Y, Z that we feel passionately about that the California Republican party doesn't have. And whatever that issue is, let's say I call Cynthia and I say, Cynthia, you know, I know you have some sway in the San Diego Republican party. Why don't you join us at this upcoming uh, convention and write this, whatever it is to provide to our convention so we can all vote on it. And then my chairman, cause I'm vice chair. My chairman says, well, I know Humboldt County, and if all three of us caucus together and present whatever this plan is to the California GOP, and we say these three central committees up and down the state want X change to happen, we can, I'm speaking very vaguely here, not specifics, but vaguely, we can potentially bring it up and say we would like X to change. What that does too is it shows any of our members, right, that not, not only our not on our executive committee, but they're just members and they see us making moves. It'll say, wow, I want to be a part of that. San Diego. Wow. They're raising $80,000 and they're presenting things to the California Republican party and they're making a difference in our state. I want to be a part of that. So it's like that trickle down effect. If that makes sense. Mm. And here, here's the thing that I want to say too. I can't emphasize it enough. If you're watching and you're like, look, I love politics, but I'm not really involved. I, I promise you with your own unique personality and your passion, whoever you are, and you can hear our voices, get involved because you can always craft and change and evolve your respective Republican party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, uh, uh, you know, it, it takes work and a lot of people kind of hope that other people are going to do the work and that their parties or that the California GOP is just going to change overnight, or there's going to be one candidate who changes everything overnight, but it really does change with the local level and people going to these meetings and getting involved and being like, you know what? I don't really approve of the way we're going. Let's try this route or you know, I don't really approve of this style of candidate. Let's go with a different style of candidate. Um, does it happen overnight? Not necessarily. No, it takes a long time and it takes people who are bringing new ideas and, and, and trying to challenge the status quo to make things happen. 
Um, and I, I guess one thing that we, we were going to talk about, and I guess we can transition to it now, is the room for improvement that you might see maybe the California GOP needs to do or county parties need to do. Um, it's one of my favorite topics. I, I think that's probably why I've never gotten shadow banned or, or kicked off any social media is because I spend probably 60% of my time railing against the GOP. They probably think I'm on their side. So um, do you have any thoughts about what what's room for improvement here in, in California? Do you want to take this one first, Cynthia? Because I, me and you, I think Cynthia will, will align on things and there's things that I, she might say, I didn't even think about that. Do you want to take it? Sure. So as far as like the county perspective, um, to give a little bit of a background, because uh, Ray did a great job of explaining how his specific county, Yolo County, kind of like the difference between that. For San Diego, uh, for those that, you know, are listening to this and they want to get involved in the process, for San Diego, it's very different from Yolo County. And I can guarantee you it's probably different from Orange County in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And for you're San not that far. You're what, like an hour drive less maybe? I mean, without traffic at two in the morning on a Saturday. You're about an exactly. hour away. Driving 85 miles an hour. Driving 85 miles an hour, right. Exactly. So for San Diego, <laughs> so for San Diego on our um, on our odd months, I'm sorry, on our odd months, we have like the caucus meeting. So what the caucus is for San Diego is every four years, there's individuals about like anywhere from four to like, I think seven or eight members. Um, we are separated. Our caucuses are separated by assembly districts. So every four years, you're an elected member. And if you Wait, get elected- you guys have assembly districts like plural? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Okay. I'm, hey, uh, this is all new to me. All right. Yeah, See so, different experiences from respective Republicans, right? Like, all right. Okay. Yes. I think we are. So in San Diego, um, there's 80th district all the way to like, I think 70 or 71. So in the San Diego region, I think we have eight or nine assembly districts. So we have eight or nine caucuses. Um, so that's an elected uh, a position. Um, nine times out of 10, I've heard usually they're unopposed. Um, so that's why like, it's good to kind of be in the know for that. So I was a little late to the party and had I known like I obviously would have been like an elected ran for an elected member. Um, if you are an elected member of that caucus, um, you also get to appoint an alternate um, because you are expected to be at those caucus meetings. Um, and basically, um, as Phil and I alluded to, when we have like the bigger central committee meetings, which are on the even months, um, and when election season time comes, we have the public meeting. And then after that is the endorsement meeting, that is closed session. And that is only for those elected members of the cent- of the caucus meetings. Um, so Phil has it right there. If you're watching this podcast through YouTube, um, that is the San Diego Republican website. So those names are those elected members of the caucus. Um, so again, uh, to kind of give my experience, um, my caucus meeting when I go, it's it's interesting. I I attribute a lot of like my springboard into politics by going to the caucus meeting, which is like the smaller meeting, which is like in San Diego. That's on the odd month. And it's on the first Monday and it's at I think like six or 7 p.m. So basically every Monday, there's always going to be some kind of meeting in San Diego for the GOP. Um, you'll either be at like a central committee meeting or you'll be at this caucus meeting. So my first caucus meeting, my experience, 
Um, I actually, for those that follow me, the biggest policy that I care about is, is education. So I actually met the Californians for School Choice Foundation Chair, Todd Madison, at my first central, at my first uh, caucus meeting. Um, Amy Racker, who's running against Nathan Fletcher, who is running for our uh, county supervisor, District 4. Please donate to Amy. Please do it. If you just, yeah. whatever you can, if you're listening, look up the name. Amy, what's her, what was her last name? Amy, what? Amy Riker. Please donate to her, but go ahead. Yeah. As you can so tell, I can't stand was, her opponent. Go ahead. Yeah. So she's also the co-founder of San Diego, Reopen San Diego. So she was at that central committee, at that caucus, and I'm getting it all mixed up. So basically, it's an area of opportunity for you to network in a smaller, more intimate setting. And um, basically, you can also meet candidates. Um, we've had, you know, sheriffs come in and visit too. Um, and like my experience also, like it's kind of everyone gets like super fired up. So I kind of tell people like my caucus meetings, they remind me of like parks and recreation. You know how like in season one or season two, they have like their town hall meetings. So everyone just, just a, has a mic and they're all fired up. So I, I just, I think it's fun, like, you know, because everyone is just super eager to get involved in the process. Um, so I definitely want to paint that picture there because, you know, for Ray, when you, when we say central committee meetings, when we say caucuses, like each region is obviously very, very different and being part of the process, you know, can look different depending on which county you're in. So I wanted to paint that picture for everyone. <clears throat> So I just realized that uh, Carl DeMaio is the head of my caucus group mm -hmm. in the 77th, which kind of makes me sad because I was looking forward to starting to go to those meetings. Um, so wait, hold on. I want to go back. You're telling me that the uh, the legend or the infamy of Nathan Fletcher has reached all the way up in Yolo County? I know uh, where I work. I work in politics. I don't want to go any further than that. I just, okay. where I work, I just know him and his spouse and just be not, not in this County, but just where I work. I, uh, we, we just can't have more of that. We just can't. They're just so oblivious. They're such now that they're not in my area of arena. They're such blowhards. They're so mm -hmm. tone deaf. And because of him and his wife have ruined California. And that's one thing. Yeah. And if you're listening you know, and you see a, an awesome assembly candidate or a horrible one that matters to you, even though they're not in your respective district, once they get elected and they pass a bill, it's going to affect you no matter where you're at in the state. Yeah. But uh, Phil, if, if I can chime in real quick about what I think the GOP should do different, constructive critiquing yep. them, it, it starts off like this. Um, I was actually thinking about this today. Look, Going back to the recall, the one thing that I think they, they did a half-assed job, and I'll even throw myself in that mix that I learned from, is you can't only talk about what Gavin Newsom and Democrats are doing wrong. I'm going to talk about this in my podcast in about an hour. You have to understand, you have to act as if the electorate has Stockholm Syndrome. It's so mm -hmm. bad. You're so desensitized to everything. You look at the homelessness. You look at the opioid academic, you, uh, epidemic. You look at taxes. And it's like, ah, oh, it's part of life. But what you need to start doing, what the California Republican Party should start doing, is start painting a picture of what life would be like and what it's not now to get out of that Stockholm syndrome. And mm -hmm. there was like, there's a poll right now that just came out that 
like 48% of people dislike or almost 50% of people dislike Gavin Newsom. But the reality is he's going to get reelected. Like it's yeah. a, it's a UC Berkeley poll that just came out and I'm like, Hey, welcome to Republicanism guys. He sucks. Yeah. But saying he sucks. And, you know, I saw a press release by the GOP that came out that said, uh, Gavin Newsom's word salad and living in an ep and, and an endemic. Okay, that's great. I don't like Gavin Newsom's messaging, but what we need to start doing, even here, which I'm going to get to in a second, what the number two is start painting a picture of why it's so rosy in other states and why everybody is leaving. That's number one. Number two is we've been talking about this here in my central committee is the there's a new leader in the Republican Assembly that's James Gallagher, right? In that role as a leader, your role is to help other people get elected. Meaning, in like if there's a toss-up, you're there. Your role as an as a leader is to help them get elected. We've proposed that yes, the GOP sends out talking points every week to everybody. But what they need to start doing is focusing on specific bills that are coming up what our messaging should be and sending it to every single central committee and having them send that messaging to our voters in our region and crafting yeah. it to like the issue in san diego it's gonna be a little bit different than here in yolo county because we're more rural the issues here yeah. in yolo county it's gonna be different in humble those are the two things that I think they should focus on. And even here, apply that here locally. We need to talk about, instead of saying, oh, we don't like Richard Pan because he's my senator. What we need to say is you need to elect this person because this is how they're going to make you different. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I held back from applauding because it's like we're almost like kindred spirits. I say this so much on a lot of my lives and like coffee and California politics that I think people either they're starting to get sick to, sick of it or more people are starting to come around to it and be like, that's absolutely true is we got to stop this whole and I, you know, I'm sure I don't know if you've met her. I'm sure Jessica Milan Patterson might be a, a wonderful lady. I'm sure she seems very nice. Um, but I, I cringe every time she just sends out another tweet or another Instagram post of, oh, this is something that Gavin Newsom did bad, or this is something the Democrats are doing bad. And at a certain point, you just look at it and go, okay, well, you're the leader of the party. Like, what's the solution? What's what's your option? What are you doing here? And I, I think the Republicans in California have gotten so bad at actually providing any sort of solution rather than just we're the photo negative of Democrats here in California, which is never a way to win a, a, an election. The contrarian candidate never wins an election because you you almost have to give voters, they vote for something, one, because of their values, and two, because they they see the future that you're proposing that you and you're going to help them get there. And a lot That's of Republicans right. don't paint that future at all. They just go, we're going to stop whatever this person is doing. But they haven't made that connection as to, well, why, what is my future better if I go with you? Um, and why is it so bad with the Democrat I'm with right now? And that's that's how I view it. I mean, I could go on about this for a while. Yeah, I was I was watching to add on to that. I think you make a good point. We need to start coming up with fresh new ideas, but but keeping and maintaining our conservative values, meaning free markets, innovation. Mm -hmm freedom 
And we need to apply it to 2022. I'll give you an example. There's this guy named Tom Wolf, who I follow. He's a former crack addict who lived in the Tenderloin for two years uh, and lifelong Democrat, mind you. And he straight up told me what's happening in it, what Democrats are doing in this state. They're not making the opioid and the housing crisis any better. They're making it worse. And he said something that kind of blew me away that I'm surprised nobody has picked up on. And that's using money to not just have brick and mortar uh, going in there and trying to rehab. He thought of ideas like investing money into uh, vans that can drive up to a place and say, look, do you want to get up off the street? You can come in into our van right now. We'll detox you and being mobile, being there, mm. having people in the community that people recognize and say, look, you don't have to walk to the brick and mortar store. You can come into my van, you can check it out and also start with city council, start with the local government to, and then get help from the state to sponsor something like this. Those are new ideas that a former addict yeah. thought of that the Republican party can take on. And look, I, I want to be very clear here. I'm not here to criticize and say the Republican party, you suck. That's that make that's that's not that's not what I'm about. What I'm about is, hey guys, we're on the same team. What can we do differently? And because the ceiling just grew, right? With with how high taxes are, the Biden's um, being upside down in the polls, Newsom being horrible, our ceiling has risen, and we have more to compete. I'll tell you this much: in the recall, our ceiling was really low. Because you didn't, we didn't have a true primary. You had 18 people to choose from, and you have the difference between Kevin Kiley, who's grassroots. You have Larry Elder, who is, you know, this, this anti-Trump, or he's not anti-Trump, but people painted him as the Trump and the black-white supremacist. There was nobody like a Glenn Youngkin-esque where the middle of the road can say, yeah, we want somebody who's not polarizing and who's one of us. And we need yeah. that, but our ceiling is high now, now that we're past the recall. Yeah, I, I, I believe I agree with you 100% that if there's ever a time to strike and a lot of people's minds are open to a different solution or maybe looking at a different party or something like that, now is the time. Like we've just gone through a tumultuous two years we're still going through it right now um and it's woken a lot of people up to wait how bad is california before it was you know before february of or march of 2020 it was yeah california's kooky and yeah houses are expensive but you know that's the sunshine tax and people just kind of laughed it off and like oh of course there's homeless everybody wants to come to california it's nice weather you but know now you know, i think you know yeah, where the ahead. new california is i don't mean to step in but oh that I, I cringe not you but when other people say it's a sunshine tax well we were known as the golden state mm -hmm. but you know where's the new california florida and they have more sunshine mm -hmm. than we do yeah yeah. Well, it used to be the land of, uh, I mean, that saying, go west, young man, was rooted in this idea of like, go make your dreams, go build your riches, go build your 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 fortune and your success out in California, go west, because that was the idea was that that was where opportunity was. There's no more opportunity here in California. And a question I just posed to my listeners was, 
if you have children, do you think your children, when they grow up, do you think they can afford a house in California? Do you honestly think they'll be able to afford a house? And a lot of parents were like, no, I don't think they'll be able to afford a house. Can, can, I, can, I, can I pivot a question to Cynthia, Phil? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to, because uh, Cynthia and we have a mutual friend in Marissa Forte, uh, she has it pinned on her Twitter profile. And Cynthia believes in this, and I and I get where they're coming from. They say that California is worth fighting for. How do you defend that? And I'm not saying it's not, but I'm just saying you, Cynthia, as someone who's part of a central committee, how do you convince people who are on the right or just independent and just hate politics? How do you how do you overtly tell them this is why it's worth fighting for? It's a very nuanced position, and I think it depends who I'm talking to. I I always try to remain rooted in that, like, we're all three of us, we're political nerds. So, like, the thought, the things that we think about, we are so, like, dedicated, and we kind of zone in, right? We are, like, the 1%. 99% of these people, they don't think deeply about this. So... I think it's important to kind of level with people, especially if they are not political at all, um, you know, really focus on kitchen table issues. So when I say California is worth fighting for, um, I think that it's a really case by case scenario. Um, so for example, like I think for myself, like I'm not married, and I don't have kids. I personally cannot see myself leaving the state. That being said, like, whatever's happening with Newsom, like I'm going to outlive the tyranny. Like this cannot last forever. I'm outliving these people. Like these people cannot bring me down. I'm here for the long haul. And, and you know what, real quick, I, I want to say this just really quick. Cause something popped in my head, Cynthia. I never thought I'd say this. Gavin Newsom makes me miss Jerry Brown. Mm. Wow. That's yeah. big. Right. And, he even makes me wish that I lived through the era of Willie Brown. And I, I say that because you think of Gavin Newsom, right? And you said something that, you know, because I pitched the question, how do you change my mind? How do you take me out of the rut? Like, oh, my God. You said something. You will outlive Gavin Newsom. So then the question, I guess, is how do we shape the electorate to not be Republican, but to be a classic Democrat, how do we do that? So, because Jerry Brown, Willie Brown, they're both classic Democrats, right? I mean, still, yeah. still liberal, but not left. Yeah. So I have. So I realized when I was talking about the tangents of like the San Diego, I never shared my opinion about what we can improve upon. So, for myself, I like I have different opinions when it comes to local races, state races and congressional races. I think it really is contingent upon your district, the electorate um, myself. Like I'm conservative. I'm a party girl. I'm a registered Republican. I'm obviously involved with the party and I help different campaigns. Um, that being said, you, it's no surprise that on our side, on the Republican side, there are many factions. Um, there's different sectors of it. There are people that are more moderate. There are people that are more conservative socially. Um, I have a model, like if we can agree on like 90 or 80 percent, like I will work with absolutely anyone. Um, I think for like the recall and school choice also, like I, I'll even work with Democrats and non-party preferences as long as we have the yeah. same goal. That's, that's, that being that's said, excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah, yeah. no, that's really uh, that's such a good point. Go ahead. 
I want to, I'm going to piggyback at the end. I'd love that point. Go ahead. Yeah. So why do we lose? And in my opinion, and why I think this conversation is needed and why I think this podcast is a great topic is we are not involved. Um, I can speak from experience for campaigns on why our side loses, why our candidate lose. It's because we don't have the money and we don't have the volunteers. And to give a specific reason, um, when I was looking at, you know, my assembly district and, you know, there's a special election. So um, my assembly woman was my former assembly woman was Lorena Gonzalez Fletcher. So because she resigned the first day of the legislative session, uh, triggered a special election. So, you know, I, I'm going to be voting on that. Um, I think there was a Republican that filed. But when I there came a point where I was between Democrats, I actually um, spoke with the campaign manager because I was interested in potentially getting involved, um, even though that was a little bit out of character. But, you know, I was between different choices. Do I want someone? So to give some clear, the two Democrat candidates right now in the race are uh, David Alvarez and Georgette Gomez. Georgette Gomez would be Lorena 2.0, but on steroids. She is a radical left. Um, her platform is basically based on like housing, equity, climate change. She got endorsed by the Democrat, by the San Diego Democrat Party, and they're not moderate at all. So, and she also got endorsed by Lorena Gonzalez Fletcher. So, of course, red flag, Todd Gloria, red flag. Um, and then you have David Alvarez, who was formerly on city council, um, and he was also the Democrat nominee against Kevin Faulkner um, in a past mayor race. Um, and when I spoke with the campaign manager, like obviously for me, education was a big thing. And he said that David's first platform or first campaign message is education. And he was actually talking about how, you know, how in our district, there's always been talks about a university trying to get the Anchol Vista. Well, David wants to partner with universities and get that on there because I don't know. We don't know why that hasn't been a thing. I'm just like, this is amazing. Um, and just different things like that. So he's a little bit now. Am I going to agree on everything 100 percent? No, but I would agree with him a lot more than Georgette. So my point is, when I was thinking of potentially, you know, having a stake in this because it was like, OK, am I going to have this guy or am I going to have, you know, Georgette um, <laughs> when I was thinking of it? and I was getting some questions basically for phone banking, for walking, they actually pay you part-time mm -hmm. and time positions and for picking up ballots too. Exactly. And so I've always kind of heard those stories, but when I had that, it, when I witnessed it for myself, I was just like blown away. So why did, why is our side lose? It's because we're not involved. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't donate enough. We don't volunteer enough. And so that's why I always harp on people to get involved because if we're not involved, it's our fault. So if I could give some criticisms uh, or constructive criticisms for the San Diego side, um, I feel like me and Phil were very blessed to be in this city and this county because uh, we have all the grassroots groups. We have like Reopen San Diego. We have Let Them Breathe. Um, all of our school board members are pretty like active as well. So um, I feel like we're in a very, very great position and we have like, you know, all those great individuals. I would say to those people and not necessarily like the leaders, but the activists and the actual regular people who go to these rallies. Um, I understand that maybe you're not a registered Republican, maybe you're not as open-minded to that, maybe you're not party preference, or maybe even you're a registered Democrat. 
um, I would encourage you to still get involved in the process because listen, we can go to all these rallies, we can, you know, be on defense all that we want, but the biggest way we can make impact is through public policy and that's through helping the party, the Republican party, that's by helping these candidates. Um, so I would say my criticism for the San Diego Republican Party is to do an effort to reach out to these people because we have these people that are sick of the Democrat Party. They're open minded. So if we can capitalize on this, we can increase their infrastructure. If I give a criticism for the California GOP and then I'm going to be done for right now, um, I understand that there's a place for, you know, the National Party, the state party and the San Diego or local central committees. I cannot for the life of me understand why the state party, why the Calvary GOP just harps on nothing but Congress. And I know that they're supposed to help with state assembly races because I've asked multiple people like, hey, does the Calvary GOP, do they help with state assembly? Because I want to make sure like I'm getting more sources right. And they do. But all I see is all these people talking about Congress. I'm just like, have we not like live through these past two years why isn't the state party's focus on state assembly so that would be my criticisms <clears throat> hey phil i, I want to add something real quick there's there's two things that she actually said so i'm going to quote cynthia herself and this goes for everybody so if you're a republican or maybe you're a moderate republican and you're like i don't know okay this is what cynthia said on october 15th 2021 I don't know who needs to hear this, but the only person I agree with 100% of the time is myself. Other than that, I've disagreed with everyone else on at least one thing, and that is okay. Oh, I wanted to pin that on my profile. I specifically say that because Cynthia also mentioned something. Let's say you're conservative, you're moderate conservative, classic conservative, whatever, Reaganite, whatever you want to call yourself. If you are good in your own community, and you work well across the aisle with your mayor, with your city council, and you're not even in an elected position, and you have good relationships with Democrats and Republicans, and you're a conservative or moderate, come join us. We need people that aren't not just stuck in their ways, and I'm a Republican. I don't do that. I'm, a, no. I'm only talking about Republicanism because I'm on a podcast, right? But if I go out in my community and we need to get something done, like a park, we need to add a stoplight, maybe they're thinking about raising taxes here. And I go, wait a minute, is there a sunset clause? Maybe we do need to raise taxes for six months, but then it ends, right? Yeah. As a conservative, that's what I'm going to think of. And I'm working with the Democrat that way. If you're a small business owner, if you're passionate and you know you can work across the aisle, come join us. We need you. Yeah, and... There's so much to jump in here and say, and that both of you are bringing up such excellent points that I'm just sitting here. I'm like, this is going w way better than I even expected. We could probably have this roundtable discussion for like three hours, um, but I don't want to keep Ray. I know he's got another his own podcast to get to in a little bit. Um, what what you just said remind me of something that my small town mayor back in Jersey told me once when we were having dinner. And I was asking him, I said, well, are you a Republican or a Democrat? And he said, well, no, I'm an independent. And I said, oh, well, why don't you pick a party? And he looks at me and goes, because when it comes to a small town like this, there's no Republican or Democrat way to fill in a pothole. Basically, the job needs to get done and the job needs to get done. I mean, maybe there's arguments about it, but the job needs to be done. And that's stuff that I feel like we just get caught up in the weeds and like you're saying, and Cynthia is saying, if we craft a message that's better, that reaches people, that says, 
we care about these values, these things that are important, how you put food on the table, how you send your kids to college. I guarantee there's probably in most, in the majority of districts, in the majority of California, you could get 51% of people to agree with those positions. But it does become this whole, and Republicans are, are bad at this. There's the everybody I don't like is a rhino argument. You don't pass my conservative purity test. Oh, how dare you? You actually advocate for this. You must be a rhino. And I think it, it's just, it, California is a weird beast where you do sort of have to break down party alliances a little bit and just say you have to vote for almost what's better than what you really want. Like you can't let perfect be the enemy of the good. And San Diego is like a perfect example. We have these candidates where it's like we'll have one moderate Democrat running against a far leftist Democrat. But because Republicans and conservatives stay out of the race and they don't do anything, we get stuck with a Todd Gloria as opposed to a Barbara Bree. And we'll probably get stuck with Georgette Gomez, who will be another union lackey, just like her predecessor, as opposed to David Alvarez. And a lot of people, you would probably rather take a moderate Democrat over a far leftist than every day of the week. I know I would. I would rather at this point, I'd rather take a moderate Democrat who is reasonable. Can can, can I ask? I I just I want to ask this because I think I, I mentioned this on my podcast I mean, I think I know the answer to it, but I want to get your perspective. What's your definition of a moderate Democrat? And I and I asked this. I asked this. The reason why, in the state legislature, you there's you vote yes or no. It's just one. It's like when I tell people to vote, it's like you can't kind of vote for Trump. You kind of so you just you just vote for the damn thing, right? Yeah. Will a moderate Democrat? end up voting for a Bernie Sanders like or a Hillary Clinton moderate or left no matter you're just voting for one on a state or local level what's the difference between a moderate democrat and a leftist I um I think that's a valid question so when in San Diego when Phil and I speak about um actually I don't want to speak for Phil but basically for to give some people some context for the 2020 election uh, there wasn't a republican candidate when it came to the general election for our mayor so we were stuck with todd gloria who was a former assemblyman um and he is our current mayor right now and then we had barbara brie who was a lot more moderate and when i say when for me when i define moderate in the terms of that mayoral race um i think of someone who is pro-business so mm, less yeah. regulations, mm. lower taxes, you know, very basic things that you don't come to the dark side and just become a Republican already. Right. Basically, <laughs> like you would think. Um, and, you know, COVID was a little bit different, but beyond the mayoral race, if I think of a moderate Democrat, I think of someone that would think that the state of emergency is over. So basically mass mm -hmm. choice, um, jab choice. Um, different things like that. Yeah. Um, what I think is very interesting to note is I think it just, it's really a case by case. So for example, in the state legislature, um, I think we witnessed that the, the, even the Democrat party, they have, they're going through their own identity crisis right now. So mm -hmm. they felt the heat when it came to certain votes because they know it's election year. And I think people don't realize too, like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent, but the legislature is like, 
these big battles that we talk about, they're only like 5% of the time, 95% of the time, like they're pretty bipartisan. It's just, we, we've gone through so much stuff these past two years and we're all of us used to being watchdogs, but that's only like 5% of the time, 95% of the time y'all get along fine and they work across the aisle and they get things done. Um, it's just, we're witnessing like the worst of the worst of all of it. Um, so that's how I would define a moderate Democrat in terms of 2022. If you are someone that is for mass choice, job choice, pro-business, um, school choice, kitchen table things. Um, obviously, we probably a moderate Democrat or Republican probably wouldn't agree on every single issue, obviously. But basically, if you're getting towards sanity, I would define that as a moderate Democrat. A leftist, a radical left, would basically be like a Lauren Gonzalez Fletcher, a Nathan Fletcher, a Georgette Gomez, a tall Gloria. So those are that's my take. I would say... Um, yeah, I, I mean, the Barbara Bree versus Todd Glory is a perfect example of like a moderate Democrat versus I don't even call them, I call them statist because they are complete statist. They are marching towards authoritarianism. Um, and I say that with no exaggeration, that's exactly where they're marching. Um, and the difference is, is that a moderate Democrat like a Barbara Bree is pro business, she wants to use the government to do. A couple things here and there and she believes the government can be a solution for a, a swath of things as opposed to most conservatives or libertarians who believe the, the government is never a solution for anything um but then you have these statists like todd gloria who believe that everything you do the government should have a hand in it and that life can only be good if the government has a hand in it and that everything the government does is this incredible benevolent gesture and you should be thankful that your overlords and, and and the elite have bestowed upon you these wonderful blessings that's my difference between a statist and like a moderate democrat in california <clears throat> I, I agree with everything and if you want to know let's say wherever you're wherever you're watching and you want to go and you're like, hey, I want to check out who the candidate is at, at, at an assembly or senate or congr congress, whatever. The way how you can spot is go to what their priorities are. If climate change and social justice are one and two, it's an automatic leftist. If the first thing that they bring up is um, water issues, uh, businesses pro-business, pro-family, and within the first 20 seconds, you can't figure out if they're a Republican or a Democrat, it's probably a tight race. If I have to yeah. do a couple of clicks on Google and try to figure out, and I'm like one time I was like three to five minutes into my research, and I'm like, who is this? Well, like, what is she? She was running up against Doug LaMoffle in the North State, which is why she was trying to run a very down the middle, not talking about social justice issues, and I couldn't figure it out until I finally went on her ballotopia and I said, ah, okay, that's what she is. Yeah. And that's why it's important. I always advocate make it a night to sit down with your California voter pamphlet because there's a crap ton of information in there. Pour yourself your favorite drink of choice or crack open a beer, make a night out of it and really get into it because we can spend a lot of time paying attention to Republican candidates and who's running. Um, but in these races where you don't know either of them because they're Democrats and you're not paying attention, 
it is important to look at what they're running for, what their candidate statements are and what their their policies are. And you have to kind of look at them and be like, OK, what who which one am I going to vote for that kind of aligns with my values more? Um, well, I know you got a your podcast coming up in a couple minutes, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. Ray, this has been a great conversation. And like I said, I'm sure we could do this yep, for several more hours. Yeah. yeah so uh, if, and feel any free place, to, I'll give you the final uh, final word so you can yeah. plug wherever you, you want people to come find you. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you guys having me, Phil and Cynthia. Um, in about five minutes, I'm going to be five, five to ten more minutes. Got to get ready for my podcast. You can watch live on YouTube. It's on my mind with Ray Perez. I'm also going to tweet it out on my Twitter. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at It's Ray Perez. And I think the title of my podcast is Politicians Go Woke, Your Kids Go Broke. Uh, that's the title of my podcast. Um, I think uh, I'll kind of give you a, a quick run over. I think, you know, Californians continue to mask kids while they party at the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, liberal SF excommunicates their own school board. And also, welcome to the party, liberals. You figure out that Gavin Newsom sucks. And then this is a, did you see that? The Super Bowl? Am I the only millennial that didn't like the halftime show? And I grew up in hip hop. So that's what we're going to be discussing. And then also, also taking it to the tweets. I'm using Cynthia's tweets. What does it take to run for office? I thought that was a really good question. That's what we're going to be covering on my mind with Ray Perez. And I appreciate you having me. Thanks. And Cynthia, you want to plug away where people can find you and your your awesome tweets and grow your following? <laughs> well, thank you both for it was a great conversation. I think we should do this again because I feel like that we covered so much ground, but I feel like there's so much more ground to have. And I think it's a good conversation we need to have because it's 2022, it's election season. So I think if there's a time to have these talks, it should be now. So mm -hmm. I had a fun time. So if anyone wants to hear my thoughts about politics, you can find me on Twitter. So it's my first and my last name. So it's Cynthia Cowie. So it's C-Y-N-T-H-I-A. K-A-U-I. And then you can also plug that on Instagram. I'm a lot less political. I have a lot more lifestyle and educational content. So if you need to purge your mind, you can find me on Instagram and then Twitter's for politics. So thank you both. And hop in our DMs. I'm sure I can speak for Phil as well. Uh, I have a gentleman who I, he doesn't you know, reveal who he is. And he says he's blue, you know, kind of moderate left. He asks me such good questions. Um, I covered a question that I actually spoke with Cynthia about on my podcast. He asked me if he thinks that Republicans should be more moderate, more more blue to gain more ground. I thought that was a great question. Um, mm -hmm. I think he also he asked me one. I'm not going to cover it today. He asked me a question of uh, does the Republican Party need to get away from Trump? Why or why not? Great questions that I'm sure everybody's asking, right? No, uh, pop in our DMs. I, we could do a whole show on that probably. We can't. And you yeah. know what, Phil? There's going to be a time where I'm probably going to do an hour-long show on the showdown between Trump and DeSantis, and I'm looking forward to that at some point. Yeah, that'll definitely be a good show. Um, yeah, I, I always check my DMs as well. I spend a lot of time in my day actually answering a lot of DMs. So um, we're actually people, and we want to help, and we want to connect with people. So we with chat that with said— you. Yeah, we love to chat. Uh, with that said, thank you everybody for tuning in. If you follow us, like, make sure to like, subscribe, review, all that stuff for the YouTube video, as well as if you listen on audio, make sure you share it with people, spread the word. 
and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Night, everybody. Hey, have a good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 